Welcome to We Fish ASA, the best tired fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I am Steve Surley. My partner's name is Dave Kranz. We Fish ASA is always pleased to offer you conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining, as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. In particular, St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion. And Daiwa, we've got your bass covered. They certainly do. Daiwa Reels. Don't forget, We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It is available wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, you can get it at our website, wefishasa.com. We Fish ASA is produced by our executive producer, the one and only Brad Nearman, Berserk Productions down in Lando Lakes, Florida. Hey there, Brad. I hope you're all doing well. On today's show, we welcome Dan Johnston from St. Croix. Going to talk about extreme weather. That is known to happen on occasion. Dave's going to visit with Dan Stefanich. Uh, He's going to talk about Lake of the Woods ice fishing. While a lot of the rest of the world is losing ice if they had any to begin with, Lake of the Woods is going to have some ice for a long time. It's an incredible fishery, and Dan Stefanich will be with Dave to talk about that. I get to visit with a true legend, one of the creators of Major League Fishing, one of the best fishermen in the United States, one of the nicest guys around. He is the one and only Gary Klein. But first, let me flip it over to Mr. Dave Kranz, who's going to bring out Dan Johnston. Take it away, David. As Steve said, I am Dave Kranz. This is the Wheatfish ASA podcast, and this segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Welcome back, Dan Johnston. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. So uh, across the country, we've seen some pretty extreme weather, and and this affects a lot of these big tournaments. You see where, I think, down in Houston uh, last week and, or a couple weeks ago, and uh, they had tornadoes go through, and so they canceled days of what should be a three- or four-day tournament for the professionals, and this affects the regular guy in that that if you're planning a trip and you have a storm come through, what does it do to the fishing? And and what we're getting to see is what these guys do under extreme conditions after really bad weather and only having a three-day tournament made into a one-day tournament. That That's uh, a pretty good testament to the skills of these anglers. It sure is because it does change things, you know, sometimes not as much as one would think, uh, depending on if you're on the front side during it or the back side of something, uh, whether you're in a river or a lake, whether there's a lot of rain involved. Um, that bit me last year, rain all day and water just turned into chocolate milk the next morning and I spun out, you know, and it, it can happen all across the country uh, without a doubt. But there's sometimes where I think it's important to try try to get your head around what we think the fish are going to do based on the extent of the storm or again, whether we're on the front or back side of it and then try to adapt. And, you know, sometimes they don't move a whole lot like overnight unless you get some giant shift in water level. But the, the, you know, the change in clarity or their barometric pressure can put them to targets. The change in clarity can put them to targets if it goes the wrong way. Um, so sometimes we need to get in real A-type spots and just fish them a lot more thoroughly instead of just covering water, you know. So it's a, 
You know, and in the contrary, on the converse, if you got a situation where water went way, way up, they can push pretty quick too, especially if it stays clear and it gets up into vegetation and, and then you want to cover water. So it's tough. I mean, it, it's definitely one of those cards that every angler has to play because our vacation times are set or we have a tournament date set. It is what it is. And if they don't cancel it, you got to play those cards. So yeah. it, it can be challenging, but we, it's important to get our head around it. It is, and you said something about uh, rivers, you know, going up and, and getting dirty, but it can be lakes to get dirty. But I believe rivers uh, recover quicker than lakes for whatever reason it is, maybe the, the movement of the water. Or, uh, have you seen that also, that they do get better quicker? I, oh, yeah, they, they flush through. Obviously, the water's moving. But, you know, another thing that can hurt you in a river that doesn't hurt you on a lake is if you get lake rain north of you, right? So if you, you get rain 50, 60 miles north, and then the next day, your pool's all messed up. Where in a lake, it might not affect you at all. So a lot of moving pieces to it. Um, but I, I think the big thing is it, it really goes back to past episodes we've done on what colors do you throw in dirty water? You know, what What do you do when it's super windy? What do you do during rising water, falling water? All these pieces come together, especially during extreme weather. Yeah, and sometimes rising water can be good to where that the, the, if it's dirty water that's coming in, uh, sometimes in the backwaters, they stay clear and you can find those ambush points on those edges where that dirty water is meeting the clear water and that can be pretty good too. Well, it's the number one thing you look for. And another thing to look for is when it's real hot and you get little feeder creeks feeding into places. Sometimes you want that water a little off color, especially if the area you're fishing is clear. That can be phenomenal. So, yeah, it can work in your favor for sure. But more times than not, if it's a drastic change, you know, like what these guys just dealt with down in Texas recently, yeah. you know, that's that's just a tough deal. But again, we have to understand, you know, the extent of it. And, and I think one of the biggest points to bring up is, you know, are you are you a day in front of it? Are you during it? Or are you a couple of days after? Because it completely changes our strategy. Sometimes they bite the fire out of it a day ahead of a storm, you know, and then the day after is one of the toughest days of the year. So it's important to understand that too. Absolutely, and, and you were saying if it's really hot out, those feeder creeks, uh, forget about rain or anything else. If the weather is stable, those feeder creeks many times are spring fed and can be three, four, five degrees cooler than the body of water they're flowing into. And that can make a difference too if the, uh, the main body of water is too warm. Well, not only that, but if the creek's big enough, they'll actually go up in it. Yeah. You know, and if you can get your boat up in there a ways, it can be unbelievable because, you know, bass are a little bit like trout, salmon, steelhead, everything. They like to kind of move up with things as things come at them. And if you've got a creek that's starting to blow out, but it's not super dirty and there's a ton of bait getting flushed through, they'll go right up in that thing, attach to targets and get on a bank. They'll start using eddies and things just like river fish do. You know, so I, I think it's uh, I think one one of the toughest situations is when you get a big, hard blow and a lot of rain and then it gets clear blue and cold and high skies. That's a tough one. Then you got dirty water. The water levels changed and the barometer is super high. And that's that's when you got to get on a spot, a really good spot and just fish it super thorough and start changing baits and tactics and make multiple casts to the same spot and just have confidence that they're there. You might not get more than one or two, three bites a day, but 
better than sitting at home. Yeah, <laughs> like and, and, <laughs> and uh, the point of the the professionals that have to do it on those days. I mean, uh, if you're not, you're going or uh, you're on your vacation, you're going to go fish. But but if you're a weekend guy and you you can choose not to fish that day or those days, sometimes it's better. But what's interesting is. Somebody always catches them. You see these guys at the professional levels, no matter what the weather throws at them, they find them. And, and uh, I think that's a lesson to be learned to everybody that fishes, that maybe you just have to work a little harder. It, it amazes me. And, and, and a lot of that is time on the water, or especially people that fish a certain area day in and day out, or somebody that lives in an area and they know what those fish do when the water goes up, down, dirty, cold, whatever and and that's that's a huge advantage but it's so impressive when you go and i've been on the other side of that too many times where you go out and you know come in with two and somebody catches 20 pounds it's like you've got to be kidding me but it happens you know it's just a matter of trying to put those pieces together and figure it out but that local knowledge and time on the water certainly helps in those scenarios absolutely and something else what about cover that's not there on a river system that floods and comes up and as it starts to recede and and you get logs and log jams and brush and different things that, that pile up. Something that was never even there, you can find them on those types of structures also. You can, for sure. That, Like I was saying, bass you know, will definitely move up, especially into vegetation, flooded willows and things like that. But one thing we talked about a while ago that's so true is if you find the right bottom, if you've got a bank that's got the perfect bottom content, and that water goes way up, more times than not, they'll stay on what on the good stuff. And you think they'll move right up in the grass, but the bottom's not right up there. And they, they like that pea gravel that happens to be eight foot off the bank now, and they'll be there. I've seen that so many times. So it's not always the case that they'll just all push up. That juice, we call it, that perfect bottom content with a couple big stumps on it that they always live, that water goes up over the top of that, they'll still be there. A lot of times they will. Yeah, and more often than not, that bottom is a firmer, harder bottom than than a, a soft uh, uh, bottom that's, that's very muddy. Oh, absolutely. I, I would say 90% of the time that's the case, and that's the reason why they're there in the first place. But it, it's just it, it's just one of those strange things, you know. And, and I'll tell you another thing about a bottom cover like that: that's the last place they'll pull off of. I mean, they'll sit on that stuff sometimes till it's two foot deep, until they absolutely have to leave it. And it, it just seems to teach me over and over again that they really desire that right bottom content. Yeah, it's um, it, you never know what happens, but when you get these weather weather changes and you see the these guys that that have to fish it. Uh, it gives you hope that if you get under those same conditions, you have a vacation planned, you, you go and do that, that you can you can do something. It's uh, uh, weather changes with temperature can make a difference also. Well, that's one of the biggest things, especially, and I would take it a step further and say barometer, things a lot of people don't pay attention to. You can tell when you quit hearing birds and you can see that. You can see those jets, the ones that are way, way, way up <laughs> that always sees a smoke trail. The days you can see those after a storm, that can be a tough deal. And you'll notice everything just kind of gets quiet. It's almost eerie when you're out there. And then the con contrary, you know, converse of that is the day before when it's humid and the barometer is low and everything, the bugs are biting. Yeah, and it's just, just beautiful for fishing. So, you know, again, goes back to you play the cards you're dealt, but extreme weather is a huge factor. We all deal with it, but understanding all the aspects of what the best strategy is, is the best recipe. And I can tell you from personal experience, it doesn't always work, but it's the best card to play. 
Absolutely, and uh, appreciate the time as always, Dan, and always great information from you, uh, and look forward to uh, talking to you again next week. Hey, thanks so much, Dave. Oh, no problem. That was Dan Johnston. I am Dave Kranz. Steve Starley is remote, and this segment was brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. Probably one of the number one questions I get, you know, what line do I use? That's a big debate. For every tour out there, everybody's debating which line. I choose the simple side. My choice of line is sunline. One of my favorite lines to use is sunline. How often can you use it? Anywhere you want to. Anywhere there's water and bass, it's good. Walleye, catfish, trout, speckled trout, sharks. There we go. Uh, I don't say this unless I think it's true, but honestly, it's the best in the market. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod. Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. Touch, power, and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Cran. Steve Starley is remote, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. My next guest has a passion for the outdoors. He is Dan Stefanich. He is a marketing consultant and outdoor writer. Welcome to the program, Dan. Thanks, Dave. Uh, glad you could do this. And, uh, you know, give us a little bit of your background. Tell us a little bit about uh, uh, your passion for uh doing things in the outdoors yeah i've been an outdoor communicator since uh 2009 uh, i just i hunt fish just enjoy the outdoor life lifestyle basically and writing about that sharing those experiences with uh with the, the masses and in 2016 i actually moved from joliet to minneapolis and was hired by clam outdoors as their director of marketing so uh immersed into the the, uh, the outdoor industry and uh, included a lot of uh, walleye fishing that I'm also very, very passionate about. So um, lots of that to do up here and probably some of the, the things that we're, we're going to talk about today. So yeah, currently I'm working as a consultant with uh, a handful of resorts and outfitters and brands and just, uh, again, just like to, you know, tell that story of uh, the outdoor lifestyle. Excellent. What so when people go to a, a a resort up up north like that to do walleye fishing, what what can they expect? What what do these uh, places afford these uh, people that are looking to get on some nice walleyes? Sure. So Lake of the Woods, Minnesota is known as the, the walleye capital of the world for a really good reason because it's it's one of the best walleye fisheries uh, in the in the country, if not the world. And uh, the resorts up there really cater to any level of 
of angler. I think that's what makes that such a great destination is that, A, they've got lots and lots of walleyes. They've got a great limit there as well. But the resorts, uh, basically, they do most of the work. So charters during open water, you drive up there, you check in, you hop on a boat, you go out and you catch fish. You don't need the gear. You don't really need the expertise. I mean, it helps to, you know, to have some level of fishing knowledge. But the guy, that's what they do. These guys do it day in, day out. And they're there to get, you know, give people a, a, a quality northern Minnesota Lake of the Woods experience. Ice fishing is a little different animal. Um, you're still after walleye. But you're um, you're being driven out to a uh, a heated fish house. You know the, the the ice up there gets you know you know two <laughs> to three feet thick. A lot of it, yeah. At. So they're like they're like cities up there. It's still like you know in Illinois, it's you know ice fishing there is a lot different than than ice fishing in in northern Minnesota. Um, it's just it's a it's a lifestyle. It's a culture. You know, and it and it's really neat. And if if Anybody hasn't done it, it, they should because it's really cool. It's not sitting on a bucket, you know, on a frozen lake, uh, you know, with your with your line in a hole all day. You know, they, you know, these these resorts, they they put you know heated houses, they plow roads to get you right out there. They're on the fish. They, you know, while I move, so you know, again, these guys are day in day out. They know where the fish are. They're moving the houses to you know to stay on the fish. But uh, again, you drive up to a resort, you get um, you get driven to basically a heated fish house, you know, and they're they're comfortable, they're clean, and you fish there and you catch walleye, and more often than not, the guides will you know fillet your fish up for you at, at the resort, and a lot of them leave them even cook them up for you. So yeah. again, you get real, the level of you know of the equipment and the expertise that you need is very very minimal you know this is it's just a great experience for any any level of angler yeah i would imagine uh a movie like uh, the Grumpy Old Men series there was probably a great uh, marketing uh, consultant's dream to, to have people see uh, what the experience is really like and, and say boy you know that doesn't look like it's too bad going out there in those heated shacks and and having having uh, you know cook your meals there and everything but that, that's a great experience and and it's a pretty long season up there in, in Minnesota it is that's, and that's a great reference too um, because that's pretty much you, you know there, there's not that many grumpy old men on the ice. Most of them are pretty, pretty outgoing and uh, you know friendly and, and share information. But uh, yeah, I mean that's a good that's a good representation. These are like little cities out you know uh-huh. out and out on the ice, and um, it's a it's just probably not what you know most most people think think about when they think when they think ice fishing. No, and and I tell people if you go to a, a shack like that or something, it's like drilling a couple of holes in your living room in the floor and ice fishing, and it, it's comfortable, and you know you you have a lot of creature uh, comforts there, and uh, it, it's pretty amazing that it is a way of life up there compared to the six weeks you know from b- being an Illinois resident, what we get here compared to what you get up there, and your experiences with with clam and uh, and and your outdoor writing and. Uh, uh, do you have a favorite thing you like to write about, or is it just the outdoors, just fishing? Fishing and hunting mostly. Okay. Yeah, yeah and, and there's nothing wrong with that, is there? Now, now, you said walleye, but there's other things up there that they can catch, too. I hear the perch fishing can be pretty good. Yes, for sure. So I don't want to give a, a mention before I forget to uh, 
to sleeper houses. So sleep the the different kinds of houses up there on on the ice are what they call day houses where you go out and you fish all day. Yeah. But also sleeper houses are, it's like an, it's like a, a, an RV that they, they leave out on the ice. You sleep in it. So they got bunks, they got heaters, they got little stoves. You can cook your breakfast and dinner. It's like camping on the ice. So sure. really, uh, really cool thing to do. And the other thing I want to mention too, uh, that's unique about Lake of the Woods is the water is, uh, is stained dark from, um, you know, the tannin up there yeah, yeah. that's in, that's in the water. So what happens is, um, walleye are, are twilight feeders, you know, typically like in Illinois, it's, it's early morning and, and, uh, evening bite, but on Lake of the woods, they bite all day. Yeah. So it's not like you're sitting there, you know, all day with nothing to do. Um, you're going to get, you're going to get, you're going to catch fish throughout the day. So that's, it's just a unique, uh, a really unique, unique, you know, body of water. Yeah, yeah. How many people can you put in one of those those uh, houses or shacks, or do they have different sizes for different groups to accommodate them? They do have different sizes. So yeah, they have two men up to like like six men, and um, you know, to, to answer your question about the the species too. I mean, walleye is what people go there for, but yeah. sauger uh, is the other. You know, like walleye. If people don't know what that is, but um, a lot of big northern pike. I caught my personal best up there a few summers ago. It was a 46 inch, about a 22 pounder on a uh, a jig and eight pound mono. Um, uh, eel pout, which is a freshwater burbot, mm-hmm. basically those are super fun to catch. And then there's panfish too uh, that move around. So there's there's perch, you know, crappie. Um, you know, th- things like that. But wild walleye soccer is primarily the, the target species up there. Excellent. Now, how about, is that the same in the summer as the winter? Yes. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. Very good. Are there, are there uh, uh, muskies too? You said northern pike. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. giant muskies. That's what in I thought. Fact, there's up in the, um, what's called the northwest angle. It's way up in the the uh, the corner of the the state where um, you know the the only way to, to get to it it's it's landlocked is to if you're driving you have to cross the Canadian border but you can you can get there by boat okay so and then you can from there boat you know some of the handful of resorts that are that are up there can take you into you know into Canada and you can fish you know the islands and um, the rock structure it's, it's a little bit different. Um, you know, kind of fishing than like the open the open basin that's that's Lake of the Woods. But yes, they have big musky, and that's that's a great a great destination. Is that north, northwest angle for just giant giant fish? Excellent. Now, what's the uh, the season for ice goes to what month, and when does the open water start? Because I'm sure there's a transition in there where both can't be done almost. There is, there is. So ice season will go as as long as the ice conditions will allow us. So once it starts, you know, warming up and the ice cracks and it, beca- it becomes dangerous to that point, uh, the resorts pull the houses off the lake and don't allow, you know, anybody to go out there. Safety is 100% the, the priority. But uh, usually that goes to um, sometimes as, as far as the end of March. But mm-hmm. the sea- walleye season does close down It's and there's like a, there's like a four week window there. I think it's from uh, April 14th to right around, I think it's May um, to May uh, 12th, I think okay. is what's called a walleye opener. Now in Illinois, we don't have an opener per se. We can fish walleye year round, but in Minnesota, 
Um, it's an opening day for walleye season, so they really make it a big deal. And that's the transition for, you know, when open, you know, from, from open water. Excellent. So, and, and on the open water end of things, uh, obviously it's not, you're not out on the ice, so you you can get a cabin and you can get, go out with a guide or do they provide boats in most of these places too? They do. So yeah, the open water resorts have charters. So um, not too dissimilar from, you know, the salmon charters out of Chicago. Okay. Um, they're probably just not that big. So yeah, you, you, you get up there, you hop on a charter boat, you can take up to, up to, I think a lot of them take up to six. So you can take a group and go up there. And again, you don't, they've got the rods, the tackle, the bait, like everything. And you just, you go out and you, and you catch fish, but there's also, um, you know, uh, availability for the, the do it yourself angler, you know, the guys yeah. that want to take up, take their own boat up there. There are public boat launches, uh, the rainy river, which comes out of international falls actually dumps into, to Lake of the woods, great fishing there. So a lot of guys with smaller boats can go up and, uh, get a, a, a cabin for uh, really cheap and be able to to do a you know a trip on a on a, a lot lower budget and still still have a great time. But most of the you know people that go up there are you know go through a resort, uh, hop on a charter boat. It's just it's so it's so easy and great and uh, an awesome way to catch fish. It sounds awesome. So if people want some information, how do they get a hold to figure out? Uh, can they get a hold of you or where where would they find this out? Yeah, I mean, I've written some articles at DanStuffOutdoors.com. That's my my outdoor writing website. But the best way to learn um, about Lake of the Woods, I'm going to give them two. There's two resources. Um, one is DestinationLOW.com. And that um, is a, a portal where there's a, a handful of resorts uh, that I work with. I actually just hosted a media event up on Borderview Lodge up there, destinationlow.com. That's a, a great place to start. And uh, also the tourism uh, web- website, lakeofthewoodsmn.com, has you know, season information, limited information, and then there's always the, the DNR website. So those are some, some great resources for folks looking to uh, to plan a trip to uh, Lake of the Woods, Minnesota. Excellent. That's uh, great information. You guys can check that out. And uh, Dan, thanks for being on the program. We truly appreciate it. And uh, uh, we'll give you a call some other time and we'll talk some more. Dave, you ever want to come up? Give me a shout. Ah, well, I, I might take you up on that. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah. Take care. That was Dan Stefanich. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote, and this segment was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. The We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta Outdoors, from bluegill to bluefin, Calcutta Outdoors has the innovative outdoor recreational brands that consumers are looking for. We offer a wide range of trusted products, from fishing rods, combos, and tackle, to coolers, drinkware, outdoor apparel, and marine accessories. Calcutta Outdoors. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting rail, while Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV, 
The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Petula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Surley. My partner Dave Kranz is remote. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Please help to ensure the future of fishing by visiting keepamericafishing.org. And you know, if you're an industry professional of any type, please consider joining the American Sport Fishing Association by visiting asafishing.org. I am pleased to welcome uh, my main guest for this week. He is a true legend in the sport. Uh, talk about uh, the future of fishing. He's helping to ensure it every day. He is uh, the co-creator of one of the biggest things to happen in the world of competitive fishing, in particular competitive bass fishing in our lifetime. Please welcome the one and only Gary Klein. Hey, Gary, how are you? Well, good morning, Steve, man. I really appreciate the kind words. And uh, also, as a side note, I'm also a member of the ASA. Oh, of, of course. Every, everybody everybody who is cool is a member of the ASA, right? <laughs> well, I tell you, you know, that's one, of the, that's one of the things about myself is that I actually started at a very young age, so I have evolved with the sport. I have evolved with the industry. And one thing that's important to uh, anglers like myself in the industry is that we're able to preserve and make fishing as good, if not better, than what it was when we were first starting out. Because, you know, we have so many new anglers uh, that are being introduced in the sport. I want to make sure that we have good fishing for them so they can experience the same things that I've experienced uh, in my career. I, I, I wasn't even going to go here, but, it, you know, I, I never, I, I work off a page of notes and I usually end up throwing away after about three minutes. Fishing has changed. I was talking to a, a mutual friend uh, yesterday, uh, Ken Duke from Fishing Tackle Retailer Magazine, and, and he, he was talking. He, he was listening to an interview uh, from a guy who was saying, with the with the uh, the advances in the uh, sonar technology and the forward facing sonar, he knows where the fish are. He knows what kind of fish they are, and. It's changed his fishing to the point where he only casts when he knows there's a fish that he wants to catch on his sonar, and he may spend the day fishing, but only cast the bait 15 times in a whole day. Is fishing going to change like that, man? That's not fishing to me. <laughs> well, you know, that's one of the cool things about our sport. There's no right way. There's no wrong way. It should be your way, and whatever floats your boat. I mean, some anglers like to, you know, fish real slow. Some anglers like to fish real fast. And it's your deal to go out and stare at a screen all day and try to, you know, basically make certain casts a key fish. Um, you know, that, and if, as long as you're enjoying it, that's what's important. And, you know, one of the most, one thing I've learned 
they got the hardest fish to catch is one that won't bite. So, <laughs> you know, I'm pretty good with my forward imaging too, but uh, a lot of times those fish are just not interested in striking your lure. Oh, that, that's got to be incredibly frustrating, but I, I, I can't imagine uh, I can't imagine 15, 15 casts in a day. Oh, my goodness. I, I don't know what that would be like, but there, there, there's so many. I can't imagine uh, spending a day in the boat and looking at the screen the whole time, you know? So uh, everything's different and everything evolves, I guess. Well, I tell you, you know, in fishing, I probably average three to five casts a minute. And it's hard for me not to want to get out there and throw. So, you know, that's one of the cool things. You can adapt. You can, you know, there's a time for everything. Uh, and that technology is not 12 months out of the year. It's not on all water bodies. I mean, for example, Major League Fishing, we're starting our tour event next week at the Kissimmee Chain in Florida. And active target when you're fishing around the real shallow stuff as far as seeing the fish, is not that effective. But what it does allow me to do is stand in front and see grass lines, reed lines, cattail lines, anything below the surface. So, you know, the tool that everybody's talking about as far as catch, catching fish, I look at that tool as helping me learn more about the water body in which those fish live. That makes sense. That that def definitely makes sense to me. Uh, a couple of things you you, you met you said the uh, uh, Kissimmee chain in Florida is is Florida good for you? Uh, you know, I always thought that when we talked about bodies of water that that gave people the heebie-jeebies when they heard the name, it'd be those uh, uh, smallmouth waters up north you guys go to. But in doing this for a number of years that I've done this, I hear more people talking about. Uh, that the jinx is on the Florida waters. There's so many guys that are spooked by having to fish in Florida. What's it like for you? Well, I enjoy fishing Florida uh, because it's a challenge. You know, again, you're fishing shallow water, and these fish are, are, are you know, heavily pure Florida's, obviously, and they react to uh, weather fronts a little bit more severely than uh, other fish just because they can't really move around in their water body. So they have the tendency not to leave an area and just not bite. But let me say this. The type of angler that I am, if I fished one lake all the time, I'd get bored with it. I enjoy the hunting aspect, the search and find aspect, establishing a pattern, trying to find a concentration of fish. As far as making a cast and catching the fish and fighting the fish, that's not my thing. I, you know, Don't get me wrong, I do it as good as most. Um, but I like to go find them. So when I go to Florida, I'm down there for several weeks, and I really look forward to coming back to Texas or going to California or going to the northern waters or fishing a, sp a spotted bass fishery. I like variety. Uh, you know, I don't have one way that I enjoy to fish all the time. And, you know, I'm a very versatile angler, but that's one of the really cool things about traveling the country I get to experience all the different water bodies. I get to experience the different species of fish that I'm fishing for, the different personalities of those fish. So uh, it's a challenge always when we travel. Oh, I can, I can definitely understand that. I, I blew right past it. You mentioned Major League Fishing, and uh, I, I did not 
actually say this, but you and Boyd Duckett were the co-creators of Major League Fishing. Uh, you know, the world was all Bassmaster, and then uh, you guys figured out a better way to do things, and you created Major League Fishing, which has gone on to uh, incredible success. Uh, you know, the, the events are phenomenal. The, the roster of anglers you have is is phenomenal. The, the places you go to is great. And the television production is, is as good as anything I've seen in any sport not just fishing, but it, it's it's excellent. So, you know, hats off to you for that. Are, are you satisfied with where Major, Major League Fishing is at? You know, it's it's very, it, you change things every year. You're always fine-tuning it. Are, are we tuned up perfectly, or do you think we're going to need to make a change or two going into the future? Well, I think, you know, everybody must remember that we're only four years old, <laughs> you know, so we're a very young organization. And yes, we acquired FLW and merged. So, you know, we went from a, um, you know, small group of guys that were having a few events to the largest tournament organization in the, in, in the state. So, yeah, we're learning. And I think we're always going to be tweaking. Uh, you know, yeah, we've had our challenges, the pandemic you know, shut everybody down, and uh, we actually were able to navigate through that. Uh, we have light at the end of the tunnel. Everybody's excited for our 23 season as we continue to build. But, no, I think things are constantly going to change, especially if I'm if I'm involved in it because we're tweaking and we're trying to create something that's never been done before. And with that comes a lot of trial. And I don't want to say error, but, you know, you have to – uh, experiment. You have to uh, try to build, and that's one thing I'm very proud of our team. There's no give up in us. Uh, we're always, every day, trying to come up with a better way. Well, you you and Boyd Duckett are uh, one heck of a combo, two of the smartest guys that ever pick up a fishing rod and throw it a bass. Uh, you know, you, you guys have a lot of great ideas. You're very innovative. Uh, you've come up with some new concepts. You got this uh, team deal that's going on right now that uh, actual absolutely uh, has got an awful lot of attention. I think it's a great idea. Uh, you, you've done some uh, some good. You've done some good things and changed the way you've done things. I know that there's been a lot of uh, back and forth over the scoring, going from uh, the traditional five fish in a day concept to count all of your legal fish. You're changed again for this year. Is everybody happy with the way things are headed in regard to that? Uh, well, I think we kind of have a mixed bag. Uh, you know, as far as a five-fish scoreable limit, uh, you know, that was not my vote. And, you know, I'm just being transparent. Please. Uh, but I am, one, I am one vote of many, and uh, we are a tournament organization that is angler-driven, uh, our anglers are on the advisory board, and, you know, we communicate, they communicate with us. Uh, so in that, uh, you know, is where we ended up with going back to a five-fish limit. And the five-fish limit is catchway release, so we do not transport any fish. And they feel that it's going to increase in the uh, level of viewership. They feel that it's going to increase uh, you know, the excitement with the game because the five fish women is what's been out there forever. And, you know, that's what everybody was used to. Um, will it stay that way forever? Uh, I want to say I hope not. Uh, because I was really a fan. As a competitive angler, I can say this to your listeners. 
that until you have competed with our format, you have never been pushed beyond your limits like our format pushed the anglers. You could never fish complacent, and you were never out of it, and you were never in it. Uh, so you always had a tremendous uh, uh, room for improvement. And that's what I enjoyed about uh, that format is that it constantly uh, challenged myself as an angler, as a competitive angler, to improve my skills, to constantly practice. Uh, so it was a challenge, uh, which I really enjoyed it. The five fish limit is what I was raised on. I started competing in BASS in 1979. Yeah. Qualified for 30 Bassmasters Classics, all with a five fish limit. So, yeah, that's right in my wheelhouse, too. So I'm really excited about the 23 season. Well, you know, it, it, it's pretty cool. Uh, you, you do things differently under both formats, and uh, there, there's things you, you can't, I mean, you can go with the every legal fish counts and still know what your five best fish are. If you're doing the five fish, uh, you don't know how many you could catch in a day, and it eliminates things. If I, my memory is, is working correctly, there was a situation a couple years ago where uh, I want to say it was Edwin Evers caught fish on 23 consecutive casts. If that was a five-fish limit, you would have never heard he did that because it didn't mean nothing. That's correct. Yeah, that was at the first Red Crest, Red Crest victory uh, on lacrosse, on the Mississippi River out of lacrosse. Uh, but a great move. I mean, you know, he worked his way into that backwater and actually uh, took him a while to find that school of fish, but when he did, it paid off for him. That will be taken out of the equation. Yeah, yeah. That, that's unfortunate. It's that's unfortunate, but you know what? Uh, it, this is fluid. It changes. Uh, we shouldn't be so wrapped up in. Uh, I don't want to say tradition, but uh, you know, a standard way of doing things that we're not able to adapt and do anything differently. And uh, it takes creative minds like uh, those that run Major League Fishing for us to enjoy. Let me take a quick break, let our sponsors have a word. When we come back, we'll talk about uh, Major League Fishing, maybe uh, talk about your sponsors that uh, allow you to put these incredibly, phenomenally successful tournaments on. I'm Steve Sarley. This is We Fish ASA with the one and only Gary Klein, and we will be right back after this. You know, when I look at the tournaments I've won, probably... Four or five of the boats that I've won have been on a tube, but I had completely gotten away from flipping a tube because nobody, nobody made one soft enough. Big Bite has come with this new tour series of baits. The thing that's probably the most unique is when you look at that bait, the salt just rolls out of it. And to me, that is the reason a fish bites a tube and hangs on to it. This isn't one of those, let's go out and catch some smallmouth tube. This is a let's get it done tube. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Petula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. 
The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world. And with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth. St. Croix. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Starley. I am here with a true fishing legend, Mr. Gary Klein. Please remember that We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. You know, Gary, you're a, you're a class act and a true gentleman. We're trying to get some dirt out of you. Tell us something about Boyd Duckett that we don't know. Uh, something about Boyd Duckett? Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me just say this about Boyd. Boyd, maybe most people don't realize it, is hooked on crappie fishing. Uh, many, many hours and many, many nights uh, in the middle of the wintertime, Boyd and I are standing on the dock crappie fishing. Uh, <laughs> Boyd, love, he loves to catch crappie. But, uh, you know, and obviously Boyd, has the same passion for fishing that I do. I mean, we grew up fishing as kids, uh, and, you know, we have a career in competitive angling, uh, a great individual, and a good friend. Actually, without, without a doubt. Now tell us something about Gary Klein that we don't know. Uh, well, Gary Klein, very passionate about fishing. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, we we didn't we didn't know that. I'm not going to get nothing out of you. And there's no well, there's no deep dark secrets in the Gary Klein story. I know that. Well, I mean, you know, as far as far as me, uh, probably my one of my favorite things to do is uh, pull the trigger. I, I love I love to shoot rifles downrange. You know, I know, I know you're a hunter. I know you're a hunter. You're very, very passionate about it. Do you think that an interest in hunting crosses over into fishing? I think you related to it earlier. Uh, does make does being a hunter make you a better fisherman? Uh, without a doubt. Um, you know, anytime you're in the outdoors and you are pursuing Mother Nature's creatures, uh, it makes you a better individual. And uh, your hunting instincts are no different than your angling instincts. Sometimes when you're on the water, you do things that you can't explain or things happen to you that you can't explain. Yeah. And uh, so why even try to understand and just go with the flow? But one thing for sure is what just occurred happened for a reason. In other words, you know, how many times have we as anglers been in a boat for hours, trying to catch a fish, fishing's not very good, and you say, hey, I'm going to try this. So you tie a lure on that you haven't thrown in maybe all year, and on your very first cast, you catch the biggest fish of the trip. <laughs> That's happened to me and thousands of anglers across this country. It happens every day. Oh, yeah. I mean, how do you, how do you explain that? Uh, there's no there's no explanation no explanation at all but that's one of the cool things about the sport yeah yeah and the other the, the other thing that i would like to say yeah to your listeners about this sport is that fishing whether you want to compete 
or you just want to, you know, go and go and just go enjoy the outdoors. What I've enjoyed about it is that when I look back on my career, I started when I was a sophomore in high school. That was when I was first introduced to competitive angling, and I knew that day that's what I wanted to do with my life. And in Northern California in 1973, uh, there was no internet. Uh, there was very little uh, communication or, or anything to find out about competitive bass fishing. But I lived it. I breathed it. And bass fishing has taught me more about the individual that I am today than any other profession I could have been involved in. I enjoy the outdoors. But what's really cool is it's a family-orientated sport. There's no right way. There's no wrong way. It should be your way. So fishing is a very individual sport. You can't blame your failures on other people. But yet your successes, you can kind of uh, feel really good about them because you did them on your own. And it's family. And when, when you take your husband or your wife or your kids or your grandkids to a pond, a stream, or a lake, or I don't care, and I don't care what species of fish you fish for, you're creating a life experience, something that those children or those first-time anglers will never forget. And it's, it's, a, it's a pretty cool thing to be a part of an industry that offers the family so much. That is beautifully said. Uh, absolutely incredible. And uh, I hope uh, there's so many young anglers in this uh, professional bass fishing right now that are really making names for themselves, uh, coming up out of the ranks and just knocking them dead. And uh, I, I wish they would listen to what you said and, and, and copy that and say, this is what being a pro is all about. It's not just putting fish in the boat. It's being able to, to deal with the public and talk. And, and the way you just explained that is something that everybody should be able to put into words. I, I thought it was fantastic. Let's talk about the upcoming Major League Fishing season, in particular the Bass Pro Tour schedule. I've uh, got a lot of great events and going to a lot of great places. As ever, are, are you pleased with the choices of the locations? Yes, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, not only do we have some really good fisheries that we're going to, uh, but we're also going to them at some really key times of the year. The only fishery that I'm kind of uncertain about is Saginaw Bay in August. And it's only because I have never fished Saginaw Bay at that. Yeah, I've never been there. So I'm looking forward to going up there and spending a little bit of time on the water. But besides that being the only unknown for me, uh, man, what we have in front of us is really cool. Uh, oh. Great lakes, a variety of fishing for largemouth, smallmouth, and uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to the challenge. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I'm, I'm extremely interested in that uh, uh, April 24th uh, General Tire Heavy Hitters event. Uh, where, 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 where is that, and what do you expect that to be? I, I just think that's going to be a phenomenal. Uh, a phenomenal week of fishing down there. Oh, without a doubt. You know, that was that was one thing that uh, was a goal that I started out with at the beginning of the season is to make sure that I caught a key fish every, every event. Uh, I was able to do that, ended up 15th overall for the heavy hitters out of the 30 anglers. So, yes, I qualified. That will be in April, and that's on Caney Lake in Louisiana, which is just a little south of Monroe, Louisiana. Uh, that is the lake 
when we were there last year on our seasoning opener in February, Randy Howe caught a 10-11 out of Caney. The championship round for the heavy hitters is going to be back at a little 2,500-acre uh, open to the public lake. That's called Bussy Break. That is where Randy Howe caught the new MLF all-time big fish record of the 12-15. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to being Hey, now I want a fish bussy break, and I want to catch me a teenager. So I'm looking forward to that. You know, that, that was wild because, you know, we follow these tournaments so often, these great fishermen, and it's rare to weigh in a double-digit fish. And, and here you got multiple double digits out of a lake that, in all honesty, prior to you getting down there last year, there wasn't a whole lot of national exposure. And I, I'm wondering right now what that exposure has done for the fishery in the area. Yeah, same here. Uh, hopefully it really uh, drew some attention to it because a lot of good fisheries uh, need to have attention because they don't stay good forever unless they have proper management. And uh, But how cool is it for Randy Howe to be able to go to an event and on one day catch his personal best, a 10-11, and then on the next day break that personal best with a league record of the 12-15 in back-to-back days on two different baits, two different techniques, and on two different water bodies. Yeah. That's a pretty cool story. That 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 is amazing. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Another thing, I'm, I'm looking forward to all these. You know that. Uh, but I cannot wait for that uh, March 8th event, the Red Crest. That is the big dance for Major League Fishing. Red Crest is a Major League Fishing Championship you headed to Lake Norman, Charlotte, North Carolina, great city. And in addition to wonderful fishing and the best fishermen in the world showing up to compete in this, you have the Red Crest Expo, which is the biggest gosh darn fishing show that you could possibly imagine. Thousands upon thousands of fishing fans flooding an arena to see the latest and greatest and tackle, meet all the superstars. I mean, it's 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 Christmas and it's Christmas in March. If you're a fishing fan, isn't it? Yeah, without a doubt. You know, that's actually March 10th, 11th, and 12th. Uh, there in Charlotte. I think the show opens up at 10 or 11 a.m. Runs until seven in the evenings. It's a great opportunity for an angler that wants to learn. Uh, you know, come prepared, and uh, you know, there's a lot of guys that, or a lot of anglers that are available. Uh, to answer questions and help you with maybe uh, give you a different view of your fishing. But it's also a great show to come and bring your family and just kind of, you know, just browse around and look at all the latest, greatest stuff. There's going to be all kinds of things taking place that your family can be involved in. Uh, so, yeah, we're looking forward to having a, a really good turnout there. That, that is great. And, yeah, family, you've, you've mentioned family a few times. We, we realize that that is what it's all about. But, I, I went to the Red Crest last year, and I couldn't have been more impressed with the professionalism that the Major League Fishing Organization showed in, in staging Red Crest, both the tournament and the expo. Uh, I, I was just blown away by what a wonderful experience it is, and, and I can't recommend something more than I could t recommend telling you to pack up the family, head to Charlotte. Heck, easy to get to. It's a wonderful city. There's so much to do. You know, if dad, I, I don't mean to be sexist, but if dad's the only one that likes fishing, 
uh, and everybody else wants to do something else. What better place is there than Charlotte? There's something for everybody. Uh, definitely check it out. Put mark it on the calendar. Uh, head down to Redcrest for the Expo and the Championship Tournament. I think it's going to be another wonderful show. And I applaud your efforts in putting this all together for the fishing community to enjoy. Well, thank you very much. I sure appreciate the kind compliments on that. But like I said earlier in the interview, you know, we have a long ways to go. We're constantly building. Uh, Red Crest is just going to continue to grow and get bigger. Uh, but it is, we have something for everybody. And uh, you don't have to be an angler to come to Red Crest and enjoy. So I'm looking forward to shaking a lot of hands and uh, answering a lot of questions. I'm looking forward to seeing you down there. It's really just around the corner, and that's going to be so exciting. It'll be a, a, a wonderful event. And, you know, Gary Klein's one of the nicest guys you ever met in your life. He's got all the time in the world for you. Uh, take a picture, sign an autograph, ask him what color you should be using on your home body of water. He'll, he'll tell you he's one of the smartest guys around. Gary Klein, co-creator of Major League Fishing. Thank you for being Gary Klein. Uh, wish you good health and good luck in the future. Go out, have a great season, and uh, go Major League Fishing. Well, Steve, thank you very much. We sure appreciate it. Like I said earlier, I'm very proud of our team. Excellent. Proud of you. Gary Klein, have a great year. We'll talk to you again soon. That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast, the best art fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'd like to thank today's guests, as always, Dan Johnson from St. Croix. First appearance by Dan Stefanich. Talked about Lake of the Woods and ice fishing up there. I'll be doing that for quite a while yet. Talk about quite a while. This guy's been around creating action in this sport with what he does. He's a brilliant man and a great fisherman. Gary Klein, co-creator of Major League Fishing. That was very enjoyable talking to my friend Gary Klein. I'd like to thank our sponsors, St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion. And Daiwa, we've got your bass covered. Boy, they sure do. Daiwa Reels. Don't forget, We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our podcast each and every week. It's available everywhere you get your podcasts. Hey, if you're at your computer, check out our website, wefishasa.com. You can contact us there. Write and let us know if you like us, if you don't like us, what you think we should do differently. We love to hear from you, and we answer everything we get. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner's Dave Kranz. We'll see you next week. Now, let's go fishing. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.